Hi there and welcome to this week's podcast from journalism.co.uk. I'm Caroline Scott and today I've been at the Digital Innovators Summit in Berlin. Delegates heard about how news organisations can get their communities back from Facebook and we're going to play you that presentation in this week's episode. project is a non-profit collaboration between Mozilla Foundation, the New York Times and the Washington Post. It aims to make it easier for publishers to connect with their audiences and for publishers to connect with each other using free, open source tools and practices. Check out this talk from Andrew Lasowski, project lead on the Corel project at Mozilla Foundation in the USA, where he explains the challenges publishers are facing right now, the opportunities we're handing to Facebook and how we can make a change. I don't have a problem with Facebook itself. I think it does a terrific job for what it's trying to do. The problems we're facing, they're not Facebook's fault, and they're really nothing to do with Facebook. Trust in the media is falling. We've been hearing this all the time. Diversity in media needs a lot of work, and we can just look around the conference to see that. Uh, as we heard this morning, as, as Jeff so eloquently shouted at us, um, that you know, four companies own the ad revenue so much. You know, Facebook there, 30% of the global display ads, 26% Google, Twitter, Yahoo, everything else, that's news, and everything else is in that 45, and that 45 is going down. An online dialogue is broken. This is not something I need to tell you. You know this is true. So where are we trying to get? What does change look like? Well, change looks like um, more trust. Uh, change looks like more diverse voices involved in the conversation. Change looks like new revenue opportunities. And change looks like productive dialogue. So in other words, what change looks like is meaningful relationships. All of those things are about building meaningful relationships. Right now, Facebook owns relationships. They own the relationships that we're giving them. These are all quotes from news sites that, in the announcements of them closing their comments, saying, oh, all of that is over there. Facebook can deal with that. Facebook can run that. Facebook can own that. Any direct conversations, Facebook should have that. We shouldn't bother with it. Let's give it all to Facebook. Hmm. Um, there's a problem with that. Uh, the terms in which Facebook acts, Facebook controls the data, you all know that. Facebook controls the tools and what they do, how they do it, what they give you to be able to, to manage the interactions. Facebook controls instant articles, a space which is deliberately flattening all news and making it all look and feel the same, no matter what the outlet, how reputable it is or isn't. And Facebook forces user identity, and, and that's really important if you're looking for people to, to share with you stories that might be, for good reasons, they might want to keep anonymous, that they might not feel comfortable sharing with their real identity, well, you can't do that within Facebook. But most crucially of all, Facebook's goals are not yours. Facebook's goals um, is to keep people on Facebook. That's what its goal is. Very straightforward. And that is not in your interests. What you want is the ability to control the levers on different interactions. What you want is the ability to measure and control that data and manage that. What you want, and I'm stretching this railroad metaphor as far as I can get it, you want to be able to lay down the tracks and be able to, to keep people on different paths 
towards your content. Now, the challenge, as it is so often framed and so often I hear it, actually, this isn't a metaphor. This is a photograph of the park that sits on top of the Frank Gehry building in Facebook's new West Wing building. Uh, it is absolutely absurd, and it is a representation of what Facebook has is all the money. Facebook had all, has all the money, it has all the power, it has all the users, it has all the resources. And what I hear from newsrooms all the time is the challenge is that they have so much and we have so little. But I'm going to let you into a little secret. Um, and the secret is that is not the problem. That is not the challenge that you are actually facing. And the challenge that you're actually facing and the issue that you are currently meeting up against, well, I can summarize it this way. Let's say you have a box. And what you want to do with this box is you want to collect food for, uh, to give to people who are struggling with poverty. So you're collecting food in this box. Option one, you take the box, you put it on the street, you walk away, do something else for a day, two days, and then you come back and go, well, I wonder if there's any food in there. And you look, and if the box is still there, um, what will happen is people will throw trash in it. There'll just be garbage inside this box. Why isn't there food here? Option two. You take the box, and you write on the box, collecting food for a food bank. And you put the box down, and you stand near the box. And if somebody throws some garbage in there, you take it out. And if somebody puts food in there, you say, thank you, this is what we want. And as other people pass by, you say, look at the food. This is what we're collecting. Can you help with this food? Maybe you put the box in front of a, a food store. So when people come by to a supermarket, you say, hey, this, this is what this is for. Right now, on almost all of the articles I see on the internet, you finish the article, and there is an empty box. There is no indication what it's for, what good behavior looks like in there, and it's filled with garbage. And what I hear is publishers saying, look at that, why is that filled with garbage? It's all the people's fault. They are terrible readers, they're trolls, there's all this evil stuff happening, and that's why this is filled with garbage. What we aren't doing is saying, here's what this is for, here's a demonstration of what it's for, and making sure that this, this is what's happening within the space. What our problem is right now is that we aren't strategically thinking about what does engagement look like and why. And so therefore what we're getting is an unmanaged box. So this, hopefully, at this event should be very familiar. This concept of an engagement funnel. Very straightforward. This is how you get people to buy things. Awareness, engagement, you can change some of these things you might have different, written in different ways. But you, you all, if you're at this event, I'm assuming you have a sense of what it means to get people to buy things. What we're lacking, ironically, is an engagement funnel for engagement. We haven't actually applied it to the thing in the word itself. Right now, engagement in newsrooms usually means likes and shares. What does that lead to? Uh, clicks and time on site. What does that lead to? Uh, likes and shares. We're not creating a funnel, we're just creating a, a, like a, a, a game of pong. What we should be thinking about is what does it look like not just to lead to purchase, but to lead to actual engagement in the journalism. To get somebody who comes to the site, becomes awareness, maybe clicks and shares, discovers more content, and then they start improving the journalism, supplying ideas, correcting mistakes becoming a source, improving the dialogue, engaging within the acts of journalism itself. And here's the exciting thing. 
I just, you may not be able to see the, the, this, but actually all I did was stick a line through part of the engagement funnel and write other things on it. In other words, it's the same funnel. What you have are two things which are aiming towards the revenue goal and the engagement that leads to more trust, more diverse voices, new revenue opportunities, all coming to the same place. This is really exciting because what we're leading to is a point where the revenue side and the journalism side are trying to do the same things in the same direction together for the same goals. Journalism is community work. We're kidding ourselves to think it isn't, and if we've lost sight of that, that's one of the big reasons why people don't trust us anymore, and people are engaging less and seeing less the value of media in society. The role of journalism is supposed to be being the voice of the people as a conduit towards power. But we're increasingly reaching a point where it is power and journalism engaging in a conversation with each other on power's terms, and then having, expecting people to clap and be the audience around it. We are not engaging people throughout this process, and we need to be. If we don't have any sense of memory of what is actually happening within the relationships and engagements we have, we can't build community. A quick side note, a story. Um, so, I, part of our work, I've been bringing some of the best commenters into newsrooms to engage with the editorial side, for the first time in, in most of these newsrooms' case. One large metropolitan newsroom in the US, I brought in great commenters, brought in the editor-in-chief, and I said to the commenters, look, um, you have the head of the editorial here. What's the thing that annoys you most about this newsroom? And one person said, look, I've got something. I've been building up with this. I've been a subscriber to your newspaper for 17 years, he said. I've written letters to the editor that you've published. Uh, I have sent in corrections, and you've corrected articles. I have reached out to journalists. I've been quoted in your stories sometimes. I've responded on social media. I've tweeted at you. I've written Facebook messages on your Facebook wall. Every time I have an interaction with someone in your newsroom, the first reply is, Hi! Nice to meet you. Who are you? It's great to see you here for the first time. It's like, why don't you know who I am? It's a great point. Of course we know the answer, structurally we know the answer, in the workflow we know the answer. A journalist reaches out, there's no record that any other journalist has reached out. Somebody on social is not connected to the comment ID. All of these things are disconnected pieces of information. If we start to think about trying to create an ongoing relationship with our readers, rather than just an ongoing relationship in the cookies of the browsers of our readers, then we start to change the ways that we do things and start to think who are the highest value super fans who can be part of the journalism and how do we engage them. There's another opportunity as well. People don't trust Facebook with their data, with, as we can probably agree, fairly good reason. Um, and, and so we have an opportunity where this is actually a perception as well, that no matter how much people go onto the platform, they still don't trust it with their data. This gives you an opportunity to be transparent and trustworthy with people's data and showcase that as part of the process. So here's some of the things you have to offer which Facebook cannot match no matter how beautiful the parks on its rooftops are. Uh, you, offer, you can offer direct access to the journalists in your newsroom. And I, by direct access I don't mean a phone line that they're constantly answering. Um, but what I mean is that you control that access. You have the ability to bring people into the journalistic process. You have the ability to manage the interactions on your terms. Every Facebook comment space has to look and act like every other space. You don't have to do that. You can say, okay, articles on this topic, 
we're going to have this kind of interaction. Articles on that topic, the dialogue is more difficult, so we're going to have a more restricted interaction. Here we're just going to ask you a question and showcase the best answers. Here we're going to have a conversation with the journalist that's only open for two hours. Here we're going to have a conversation that is among community members, we're going to leave open for two weeks. You can manage that and you can control for that in your own spaces. And you can be transparent about data. You can say to users, here are the things that we've learned from you because you've told us, because you've filled out a form saying that you identify as someone who is Catholic and lives in northern Germany, because you have identified as someone who votes for this party. This information is private and is shared only with the journalists because we want to use it for our journalism. You can tell us to forget that, to break the links between the forms and your profile. You could add to it because we're looking for school teachers for a new investigation. So join our group so that we can ask you questions and be part of the process of journalism. We can say, here is the data that we're going to aggregate and we're going to anonymize and we're going to sell. And here is the data that we're not. We can be transparent about that as part of the process and in doing so encourage people to share more to help with the journalism. Your goal is to involve more people in your journalism, whether that's getting them clicking more often, coming to visit, leaving a comment, clicking on a poll, coming in and being involved in an event, uh, buying it, subscribing. This is your goal and you need to be focused on that in all of the different ways that you can. And the best place to start is actually with measuring. Um, so a lot of what we do is looking at and rethinking the comment space. Um, and we've talked to all of the major analytics groups and to newsrooms and said, do you have basic data on the commenters themselves? These super hyper-engaged people. And almost everyone says, oh, we know how many comments they've left. Like, yeah, that's not meaningful data. Um, we know how many people are on the page. Yeah, that's fine, but can you relate that to that comment data? Pretty much the answer with a very, very small number of exceptions, and we've talked to more than 150 newsrooms, has been, no, we can't do that. So we're asking people to do that. And in fact, the Financial Times just started doing that because we asked them. Here's what they found. Readers who comment are seven times more engaged. They come to pages much more, they engage much more, they're actually involved much more in the journalism. Also, comment readers, six times more engaged. Quick stat from the Washington Post. Um, so in order to read the comments on the Washington Post, you scroll down, you click. So they started looking at what is the difference between people who read the comments who aren't subscribers and are subscribers. People who aren't subscribers, about 6% of readers on the page. People who are subscribers, about 51% of subscribers read the comments. In other words, it's clearly a huge benefit for people who are engaged and actually are paying, who are loyal. So start measuring. And there's real value as well. So this is from the MIT Sloan Management Review. It's a five-year study looking at different sites and understanding how do you get people to pay. And what they found was, as readers become increasingly engaged with a website, they're more willing to pay. But, and here's the big but, the website must take an active approach to engage and interact. You have to be present. You have to see this as part of your job. You don't just stick up a like button and walk away and say, job done. So what's the trick? How do you actually do that? What is the magic behind it? You can do this right now with any of the tools you have already on your site. You can do this with the tools we're hearing about through the event as well. What we're doing at the Coral Project is building this thought process, this, this philosophy, into some tools that you can also take and use. And as I say, everything we do, free and open source. 
Two of them are software, one is not. I'll quickly walk you through. So Ask uh, is a form builder, a submission manager, and a gallery display. Very quick and easy. You build a form, you manage the submissions in something like this. Doesn't look like a spreadsheet, doesn't act like a spreadsheet. Allows you to tag different submissions, search across different submissions, and then work through, filter out the useful things, filter out the bad things, uh, and be able to very quickly and easily share. All of the responses go into a Slack channel. You can use a Facebook Messenger bot to ask the questions. And then you have a gallery display where you can correct the, if there's a typing mistake or a spelling mistake, or if someone writes five paragraphs and you want to share a couple of lines, you can do that quickly and easily using the Ask module. Uh, you can also build visualizations very quickly and easily on top. This is one that was built for the day after the election. Uh, all of the responses has an API. It adds up all the different totals, and you can build a visualization on top. Uh, talk is our comment stream. This is, it's currently in beta testing. Uh, so right now, this is it on the Washington Post servers. It's not live on a, a, a site yet, but I'm excited that it's on their servers. So hence, it's under their, their banner. Uh, and talk involves one way that we're, we're looking at, because I, I get the whole problem with the comments. It's an overwhelming volume. How do you find the good stuff? So we're using user's history. You can create your own algorithm without needing to know any coding, and be able to find, using the signals, Find me those that are liked by people who like the same things the newsroom likes. Start there, and then go, okay, great, that one, that one, that one. Send those to the journalist to reply to. That one and that one, pin them to the top of the comment stream. Find me the ones that are flagged by, by users saying this comment's a problem, and we usually delete the comments that do that. Great, I can start there and clean up the worst straight away. This 10, select all, gone. So in other words, make it scalable and faster for human moderation. A lot of organizations are running Coral software right now. These are some of the orgs that have it installed and running. Uh, some of them have done live experiments already. Some of them are about to. Uh, and we do a lot of research as well, constantly. If your newsroom's interested in, well, involved in being on any of these slides, let me know. We, involve the, we have a group that we informally call the Design Club. We send out for user research, uh, testing, all kinds of things all the time. And, and I mentioned our guides, which aren't software. As I say, you can use this on any tool you like. We publish and, and commission all the time from community experts best practices for your newsroom to apply and to use. And we do a lot of research. We do academic research, uh, we do research across newsrooms, user research, and we publish everything on our site. So I'm going to very quickly summarize what our research has taught us. This is what journalists need. Journalists need strategy. What am I doing? What are the tools? Is it comments? If it's not comments, what am I using? Information. What are the things that my audience knows? How do I get them involved? What are the things I can learn? Safety. How can I not be vulnerable while I'm engaging with people? And resources. What can you give me in order to make sure that I'm a, I have the time and ability to do this properly? But it's not only for journalists. Here's what communities need. They need clarity. What is this for? They need value. What do I get out of this? They need safety. I don't mind being accountable, but I don't want to be vulnerable. They need recognition. How do I know you're even listening? How often have you put a call out to readers saying, tell us your best answers, and then not told them where the answers, the best responses are, said thank you, followed up? Happens all the time. Why should people do this if we're not recognizing it? People want to be heard, and we need to make them heard. So very quick recap. Facebook wants to keep people on Facebook. Your goal is to keep people involved in your journalism because that will lead to increased trust, to new revenue opportunities, to greater diversity of voices and more productive dialogue. So these are the basic questions you need to ask in order to do this. Okay? First of all, what is your mission? 
If you can't answer that, I think you need to stop everything that you're doing and all the things you're paying to different vendors and answer that first. What is your journalistic mission? What is the role of the community in your mission? And what could it be? What does success look like for community involvement in every article, in every series, in your organization? And finally, what is your funnel? How are you tracking, or your funnels, how are you tracking whether or not that success is happening? Mark Thompson, uh, CEO of New York Times, his name has come up a few times. This is something he said recently in a Tau Center report. Facebook wants to be a destination. The issue is whether you have the guts and confidence to say, we're going to be a destination ourselves. I think you can be, and I think you have to be, if we're going to survive in the new social media era. And I'd like to offer all of our services, all of our products, all of our research to you to be a part of. We have communities online. We have a forum. We have an open Slack channel. There are journalists in there all the time discussing and asking questions. We have community experts on our team as well as in the space. We have research and tools you can use, and we want to test with you. In other words, we want you to be part of this, because what we're doing is creating a system where journalism needs and can interact with everybody. And you can visit corralproject.net to install the open source products on your own server. Thank you for listening, and as always, you can visit our website for more podcasts from journalism.co.uk.